Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's going to change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's going to touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Let's go to the Word of God together today. Thankful to be with the family. How many are grateful to be in the house of God today? Amen. Thank God for the people who are that excited. And I pray God put somebody next to every person with no joy, who has joy, so that we all leave with joy. May your cups run over and may what's in your cup get on your neighbor today. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I'm going to give you a prophetic warning. Be careful how much you eat the next two weeks. Come on. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I'm not coming into 2024 repenting over gluttony. Somebody say amen. I want to tell you something that happened to me today. And at first I thought it was just uh, strange and humorous, but I, I felt like the Lord used and spoke to me. <clears throat> I got up this morning. I didn't sleep well last night. I've been having some allergies and some issues. And uh, uh, I got up this morning, went through my routine. I got to Cleveland on my way. I got several texts. Oh, Bishop, we're checking on you, just making sure you're good. And I'm like... Yeah, I'm great. Everybody good? What's going on? Everybody's great. So I got there. Rick's car was there. Rick is never there before I am. So I thought, well, Rick got up early this morning. Praise the Lord. This is all wonderful. I'm going through my routine. I'm getting ready. I'm praying. I'm shaving. And Rick knocks on my bathroom door and says, they're on the last song. And I said, no, it's 8.15. He said, no, it's 9.15. Um, I said, Oh, okay, so get somebody to pray um, and tell them to pray for a lot of people. I got to finish getting ready. And here's what happened. I went to a friend's house last night and my, my phone went back because they live in the next time zone. And it never reset. So I woke up early, uh, thinking it was early. Um, the reality of it is I was actually running late. And I felt like the Lord said to me this. And Chris, Pastor Chris from Cleveland sat down beside me. He said, reset the phone. Turn it on airplane mode. Turn it off. You need to reset it. I did that. And the time went from 8.20, which is when I came out. I thought it was 8.20. It was 9.20. And it went back to 9.20. And I felt like somebody has lost some time because you're stuck where you were yesterday and you need to reset your system today. And you need to let God redeem the time in your life because you don't have time to waste and you don't have an hour to lose. And I feel like somebody's stuck in a season in the past and it's got you off time, but God's about to reset your life today. And he's about to give you an opportunity to redeem some, some time. I thought I was gonna miss it, but the good news is I walked in and I, I was just able to get to the pulpit at the right time. And my point is this, I don't know what's happened in your past, but you don't have to stay stuck there. 
God's going to reset your life. If I'm talking to you and you need this, just lift your hand. I want to teach in a minute, but I want to pray for people right now. Father, somebody in this room today is stuck in a past season, stuck in a past pain, stuck in a past hurt, stuck in a situation, and, and Lord, their, their timing is off. But today, I thank you that you're going to restore them and you're going to reset their lives and they're not going to miss it. Jesus, I thank you for the Holy Ghost. I thank, come on, worship God with me right now. I thank you, God, you don't leave us stuck in a past season. And I feel like telling somebody, I feel like I'm to tell you that the season that you're stuck in, uh, it's easy to get comfortable there, but you're gonna lose time if you don't get out of that season and reset your life. So today I just decree and declare not one thing missed, not one blessing left behind. God is gonna reset your life, your mind, your spirit, everything in your life today. May God reset it for those who need it. In Jesus' name and the family said amen. Give God a praise, come on. Stay standing. So I think I should have this conversation with the family. I have glasses now not just reading glasses. I was blind as a bat in my left eye. I want to thank Dr. White for taking care of me this past week and hooking me up with these glasses. Hey, I have seen stuff I didn't even know was there. I have no clue how many red lights I've run and how many people I've cut off. And if it happened to you, I want you to know, forgive me. I love you. I had a woman call. She sent me a message. I won't say who, but they were very dear friends of mine. She said, I'm making sure I did nothing to offend you. I said, why would you have offended me? I, I, I love you to pieces. She said, you passed me in the mall and didn't even say hi. I said, what was you wearing? She said, I don't remember. I said, I don't either because I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I don't know what you, I have no clue when I missed you, but know that it was because I couldn't see you. So not only can I read the scriptures, now I won't offend people by not saying hi when I can't see them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Matthew chapter one. How many love Jesus? I want to teach for just a few moments today, but I'm praying for the Lord to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And um, <clears throat> I believe with all my heart today, God wants to speak to us through this series that we are still in and, and will continue in through next Sunday. The nativity scene, the nativity scene. I want to talk about it. We have been talking about, if you'll give me some more monitor, Mr. Soundman, we have been talking about those who were at the nativity and the birth of Jesus Christ. We have talked about the angels. We have talked about the magi, the wise men. We've talked about the song of the shepherds. Today, I want to talk about two people that we all know, one we've talked a whole lot about and one we rarely hear anything mentioned of. I want to talk about Joseph and Mary. Look at your neighbor and say, today, God is gonna to speak to us through the life of Joseph and Mary. Lord, give me strength to preach this today. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, take note of this, please, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, say, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take 
to take to you marry your wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. Then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. He called his name Jesus. I want us to talk for a few moments this morning about Joseph and Mary and I want us to look at the nativity and see the mother of Jesus, Mary, and the husband of Mary, who is Joseph, and consider their lives today. Would you pray for me, and I'll pray for you. Father, I thank you for the singing and the worship and the praise that has been lauded upon you. You are worthy of it all, Lord. Jesus, you are worthy of it all. I pray today for the Holy Spirit that brings teaching and preaching and makes it transformational, profound, and life-changing. I pray that anointing be upon my life and upon this house so that they may receive the word. Let not one morsel of your word fall to the wayside. Let it fall on good soil today, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've done already, for the lives you've changed and the people you've healed and helped. God, now we pray that through the ministry of the word, the Holy Spirit would glorify Jesus. Wash us in the water of thy word. Thy word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, we need you. If you need the word today, just lift your hands. Father, we need you to speak to us. We want to hear your voice speaking to us today. Even beyond my voice, let them hear your voice talking in my voice today and speak to your people, oh God. I give you thanks and praise. I love you, Lord, and I worship you in Jesus' name. And everybody who loves him said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We have been talking about the nativity and we have walked through the presence of the shepherds, the song the angels sing, the magi who came from the east. And today I want to talk about two people who are significant and who are very important to the nativity story. One who we've heard much more than the other but both are, in my estimation, very important. One is the man, Joseph, and the other is his wife, Mary. I want to be careful and clear as I talk to you today because I think it's important for us to be reminded nowhere in Scripture is Joseph called the father of Jesus. Joseph is referred to as the husband of Mary. In fact, this is an intentional thing in the genealogies. How many know what the genealogies are? The first chapter of Matthew. The genealogies are the thing that when we get to it in our annual reading plan, we kind of skip that. And can anything good come out of the genealogies, right? It's very difficult names to pronounce, and so-and-so had so-and-so. One translation says this, and so-and-so was the father of so-and-so, and so-and-so was the father of so-and-so, and it goes through and it works that entire regimen of thought. So-and-so was the father of so-and-so, 40 and two generations, so-and-so was the father of so-and-so, and it gets to Joseph, and it says, and Joseph was the husband of Mary. I think we're all anticipating that it follows the same train of thought that the rest of the genealogies follow, which is so-and-so begat so-and-so, or so-and-so was the father of so-and-so. But when it comes to Joseph and his relationship to Jesus, he is never called the father of Jesus. He is called the husband of Mary. And why is that significant? Because it reinforces something that is foundational to our faith, and that is the virgin birth of Jesus. Joseph's father was not a man. 
pardon me, Jesus' father was not a man. Jesus' father was Yahweh God. Jesus had a human mother, but he had God as a father. This is significant because you must be reminded it's foundational. It's not just something that we get worked up and excited about. It is foundational to your faith. The gospel, this component and element of the gospel is foundational to your faith that Jesus, although he was totally man, he was also totally God. That's why we call him God incarnate, God in the flesh, God who wrapped himself in the human, uh, in the human body. God became a man. He had to be totally human to be God, to be the Messiah. He had to be totally God while human to be the Messiah. And the way that this is accomplished is that God came upon a girl named Mary, which we will talk about in just a moment, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, a virgin gave her womb at the request of God. She gave her body to God. God used her virgin womb as the incubator to develop the Messiah, carried him nine months. He was born in the fullness of time. And when he was born, scripture is very clear that Joseph was not his father. Joseph was Mary's husband. We don't preach about Joseph. We don't say a whole lot about Joseph. In fact, Scripture is not very full of information regarding Joseph's life. It's almost as if you read the story of Jesus being born and the person Joseph sent seems to evaporate and sort of disappear from the scene. And I'm okay with that because the reality of it is it was never about Joseph anyway. In fact, to all my Catholic brothers and sisters who I love dearly and certainly don't want to pick a fight with, Mary's not even the main thing. The main person, at, in, the, the main person in the nativity is the one laying in the manger. I think sometimes we want it to be about Joseph and Mary and Bishop so-and-so and Apostle Yay-Yay and Sister Yay-Yay and Deacon Flip-Flop, but the reality of it is it's really about Jesus. And at the end of the day, the most important thing you and I can do is fulfill our God-given assignment on this planet, advance the kingdom of God, die and go to heaven and let Jesus get the glory for the existence of our lives. It has never been about us. Now listen, let me be very clear. We should give honor where honor is due. And I'm not about dishonoring people. I believe you ought to honor because God works through vessels and we ought to honor vessels God is working through. But we've got to be very careful in this day and time not to get infatuated and involved in preacher worship. Well, I'm saying some stuff here. Joseph evaporates. After his mission is fulfilled, Joseph evaporates. And what is his mission? I'm going to make a statement. You may disagree with me. That's fine. I think one reason God chose Mary is because of who she was going to marry. Think of this. Had God, I'm, I'm learning how to operate with these, by the way, so if I throw them, catch them, and bring them back to me, I have no clue what's going to happen. It's all new to me today, okay? I might take them off and put them on, take them off, you're blurry, God heal me, now put them back on. There you are, praise God, okay. It's my ADD and I'm trying to figure it out, all right? Imagine God goes and taps a young girl on the shoulder and says, I need to borrow your womb. I'm going to fill you with my son. And imagine she's married to a jerk. 
Okay, so rewind, rewind. Let, let, let's go back and visit something, okay? If, if you go home, sir, okay, and let's just pretend you are past your ability to have children, sir. You, you've been to the doctor, whatever happened, you can't have them kids no more, okay? And you go home and you know you can't have kids and your wife looks at you and says, I'm pregnant. Now y'all acting spiritual and you know, y'all acting Pentecostal and whatnot, but here's the reality. If you haven't been intimate with your wife and she is full and pregnant with a child in her womb, it bothers you. And this situation, Mary comes to Joseph and says, I'm pregnant. And Joseph said, well, it ain't my baby. How do you know it's not Joseph's child? Because Joseph knows. We are betrothed, but we have not consummated the marriage. When the Bible says that they are betrothed, please know this. Betrothal in that Jewish custom and Jewish culture was just like being engaged in today's culture. And even though they were going to get married, they had not, when the Bible said they, he did not know her, it didn't mean he didn't know her love language or her favorite thing in life. It means he didn't know her sexually. They had not had intimate relationship. And she comes to him and says, I'm pregnant. Now, brothers, be real. How many gonna have an issue with that? Okay, let me, if that don't, if that don't freak you out, let me take it to one next level. She looks at him and says, it's God's baby. Y'all still playing with me, and y'all looking at me funny like this ain't a, you know, like you wouldn't be bothered, you would be screaming, throwing things. How can God choose Mary, a peasant teenage girl, to carry the Son of God in her womb for nine months and then have him and be confident she will name him the right name because he's going to fulfill a messianic purpose of saving the world from its sin? I believe God trusted Mary because of Mary's, one reason at least, was because God trusted Mary's husband. Let me say this. Be the kind of husband that will allow God to give your wife an assignment and you cover her so he can do through her what he wants to do in her life. Be that kind of husband. Joseph is a just man. She tells him she's pregnant with God's son, and here's what he immediately began to do. He did exactly what I would have done. He starts thinking about, how am I going to divorce her? Now, you can say, I don't feel that way. Well, I, Joseph did, and I'm sure the feeling of betrayal would initially, at least, cause men in this room to say, I can't trust her, so I can't stay married to her. Here's what I love about Joseph. He was going to handle something privately that was about to be something very public. How many sisters in this room would agree with me that come second or third trimester, you ain't hiding nothing about pregnancy? In fact, the first trimester, at least with my precious wife, she's all cute and got dainty stuff on and, you know, she's gone to all the parties and everything's wonderful. Second and third trimester, she don't care. She don't care. You can't hide nothing. 
You go into places expecting certain types of favor because of you are with child. Come on in here. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. And Mary is about to experience a very public pregnancy. She's about to be shamed in the community of Nazareth. And Joseph is just, and he says, I'm going somewhere, hang on to me. Joseph says, I'm going to handle this divorce privately, even though her pregnancy is very public. He refused to convict and shame her. In fact, can I blow your mind? Joseph actually could have called for her death and her stoning. What do you do when you are given a situation where it looks like somebody has a lot of dirt on them? It looks like they've created a mess. Do you publicly shame them or decide privately because you are full of wisdom and maturity? I'm going to handle this privately even though it's going to be a public mess. I'm talking in this room right now. There are people in the kingdom of God who shout, speak in tongues, have all nine gifts of the Spirit, and they have not grown or matured or demonstrated the kind of wisdom that covers people who look like they made a mess, and everybody knows the mess they made. And I think there's some consternation in the room because you're trying to find out, you, you know there are seasons in your life where people falsely accused you. It looked like one thing, but a reality was a very different thing. Mary looked pregnant, and Mary was pregnant, and it looked like Mary had an affair, but only heaven, God, and Mary know that Mary's womb is full of something supernatural, not something that is the result of sin. And I want to caution people in this room not to run and rush to judge and falsely accuse people who it looks like one thing when the reality is if you'll chill out and let God speak, God's about to show you it's not as it seems. This is heavy. Now, let me tell you what I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting that predators or people who have been taking advantage of people should be swept under the rug and not dealt with. How many know we need to deal concisely and quickly when people's lives have been put in jeopardy? Somebody say amen. But my point in this situation is that Mary looks like a harlot and really she's holy. It looks like she's sleeping around and in reality she's found favor with God. And watch what Joseph does. He's a just man and he says, I'm going to wrestle with this and think through this personally and privately rather than shame her publicly and openly. And if you have the wisdom to push pause on judging someone, God will often show you while you're waiting the true story. Because while Joseph is waiting and he's wrestling through how to handle this with Mary, God shows up and an angel speaks to him in a dream and says, this is not what it looks like. The thing that is in her is a product of God. Aren't you thankful for the times you reserved the judgment of someone and held your peace? Let me just say this to you. What's wrong with you not having to say something? What's wrong? You don't always have to have an opinion. 
Oh, I'm not going to get no help. Y'all looking Presbyterian to me this morning, but here's the bottom line. Your opinion isn't always really necessary. You can have it. I can have it. We all live in a free country. We get an opinion, but sometimes it's better to hold your peace while God reveals the reality of the situation. In fact, sometimes I've had to go back and say I'm sorry when I got involved in placing judgment on someone and I didn't have all the facts. I am preaching in this room right now. You need to hold and reserve judgment and be just and deal with it privately. The other thing that Joseph did that I am so impressed and I'm really blown away by this is that after the angel tells Joseph that Mary is having God's child, he wakes up from the dream, he goes to Mary and he says, I know what's going on, heaven let me see this. It's one dream of three that Joseph had. Now there are people in this room who cannot handle when we start talking about the Lord showed me in a dream, the Lord showed me in a dream. I wanna tell you right now, you take dreams out of the New Testament and you don't have the birth of Jesus. If you don't have dreams in the nativity scene, Jesus and the family would have stayed in Jerusalem and Herod would have killed Jesus. Joseph, the reason God could trust Mary is because Joseph was the kind of man who God could speak to, listen carefully, and when God spoke to Joseph in a dream, read the text in Luke. He woke up, Luke 1, he woke up from his sleep, got his family, and went to Egypt immediately. If you delay in your obedience, you jeopardize the safety and well-being of your entire house. One reason that Mary can be favored by God is she's hooked up to a man who doesn't have to have a committee meeting when God gives him revelation. He says at the end of the day, let God be true and every man be a liar. I'm gonna move my family at the word of the Lord. Well, I don't believe in dreams. I don't care. If you stay in Jerusalem, you're gonna die. Well, I've never had a dream. It may be, the Lord convicted me one time, Rick Smith. I went around telling everybody, Devin has dreams. I don't have dreams. I don't have dreams. Devin has dreams. I preach sermons. Devin has dreams. Hallelujah. <laughs> one day somebody asked me, have you ever had a dream? I said, I don't have dreams. Devin has dreams. The Holy Ghost convicted me and said, you don't have dreams because you don't believe in them. So I said, Lord, I repent. And you know what happened? I started having dreams. The entire existence of this ministry is on a dream. A 16-year-old boy, 17-year-old boy on his way to Lee University and the week before I moved to Cleveland, Tennessee, I'm laying in my bedroom, I fall asleep and I have a dream that shapes my entire life. We're still living that dream out today. So if you don't believe, I didn't say dreams were 100% were bulletproof. I didn't say that they were inspired by God. I'm not telling you that they pass the veracity of the text and they're as spiritual as the Bible. I'm simply telling you that you put your life in a box that God is not gonna jump in. He says, I don't fit in a box. And if you wanna know my will, sometimes I'll speak to you driving down the road. Sometimes I'll speak to you through an angel unaware. Sometimes I'll give you an open vision and sometimes you'll go to sleep and I'll speak to you in your dreams. Joseph had three dreams. And one reason God could trust Mary with Jesus is because God trusted her husband. 
move in obedience immediately. And that's it. Joseph gets three dreams, takes care of his family. He moves them at, a dream, at the word of the Lord through a dream. He moves them to Egypt immediately. Bam. They're in Egypt, minding their own business. God sends Joseph a third dream. What's the third dream? The angel comes to Joseph in a dream and says, Herod is dead. Lord, I better quit because I could preach this right here. I feel like telling somebody you need to go back to where you came from because the thing that was chasing you where you came from, it's not there to chase you anymore. Herod is dead. Aren't you thankful that the things that were a threat at one season in your life, there'll come a place in your life where that which has chased you, that which has threatened you, those things that have harassed you, talk to me somebody. Enemies that have tried to present themselves as hindrances and threats to your future. How can to tell somebody you're about to step out of one season living in Egypt and you're going back to Jerusalem, the land of peace. And the Lord told me to tell somebody the Herod that was in your past that tried to kill your future is no longer alive. Oh God, I better quit it. Uh, touch your neighbor, tell them that enemy you're worried about. Come on, tell them that enemy you're worried about. It is not going to be a threat in your future. I don't know if it was drug addiction. I don't know if it was pornography. I don't know if it was a disease. I don't know if it was a sickness. I don't know if it was a spirit of torment. Whatever that thing was that kept you up at night and made you wake up afraid, I feel like telling somebody it will not walk with you into your future. Slap your neighbor and tell him Herod is dead. Whoa, Herod is dead. Depression is dead. Heaviness is dead. Cancer is dead. Sadness, oh God, we gotta go, but I feel like preaching because your enemy is about to die. Shake hands with your neighbor and tell him it's safe to return to normal. I didn't have this in Cleveland, but I'm getting something right now. It's safe to go back to peace. It's safe to go back to joy. It's safe to go back to having a good marriage. It's safe to go back to having a good life. The devil ran you out of your house, but it's time to go back home. Herod is dead. I feel like telling God, thank you that he kept me alive while he killed my enemy. Somebody give God I feel that thing. Somebody's going home and you're not going to die. You need to put a eulogy on your enemy and you need to walk back in your house and say, Herod, you chased me for the last time. Herod, you tormented me for the last time. You kept me up at night, but I'm resting tonight. Herod! Oh, God. Herod is dead. He, he told him to go back home. Joseph was the kind of man, thank you, Holy Spirit. He was the kind of man that left when God told him to leave, but courageous enough to go back when God told him it was safe to go back. Yeah. 
So he takes the family back home. And then Joseph disappears. We don't hear much about him anymore. And the focus seems to shift. Even in the message I'm preaching today, the focus seems to shift to Mary. Mary. We don't know for sure. But scriptorians and historians believe she was somewhere in her mid to late teens. 17, 18 years old, maybe even 16. We believe she was a poor peasant girl. Lived in Nazareth. She was not from uh, affluent family. We do know that. And she's under everybody's radar. But heaven has its eye on Mary. Go with me to Luke chapter one. Let me talk about Mary for a few minutes and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out of your hair or your weave or your extensions or whatever you brought, toupee, whatever. Look at, look at Luke chapter 21, verse 27. Let me just walk through this. Say, talk to me, pastor. Let me talk to you about Mary because let me uh, make sure we say something very clear because I believe the hermeneutic as we come to the subject of Mary and the text of Mary, there's a lot of people who try to talk about God doing in us what he did in Mary. I want to be clear about this. There will never be in another immaculate conception. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you, but you will not be Mary. Come on, how many know there's only one Jesus born through one virgin womb and it ain't mine or yours? Come on, talk to me, somebody. So we cannot, we cannot so generalize the miracle of the immaculate conception and the birth of Jesus through a virgin womb that we would anticipate or expect that everything that happens in our life will be as miraculous as what happens in the life of Mary. But hear me clearly. The fact that God would tap a young teenage girl who was a peasant and probably in poverty, he would tap her on the shoulder through an angel named Gabriel and say, I have a plan. God is going to overshadow you and fill your womb. That fact tells me that God can tap any person in this room or online on the shoulder and pick them out of a crowd and say, I need you for something that I'm about to do in the earth. What do you do when you're minding your own business and heaven has its eye on you? What do you do when you're just taking care of your peasant farmer girl activities and an angel walks in your bedroom and says, hell Mary, not the kind of hell that we I said that, some of y'all, whoo, palpitations, praise the Lord. No, not that kind of hell. <laughs> yes. Some of y'all are like, I can relate, I can relate, okay? <laughs> Listen, he walks in and says, keep going, can you put that on the screen? Uh, verse 28, I believe, maybe 38, it says, hell, hell Mary, thou art highly favored. You, you don't, you don't know, sometimes you and I don't know what heaven thinks about us. This one, frank, this one scripture right here blows my mind. 
this girl is a teenage girl probably living on a farm in obscurity and with no notoriety. And she's probably in some way at the bottom of the ladder of the socioeconomic picture in Nazareth. And an angel walks in and says, rejoice. You're, highly, you're a highly favored one. The next time somebody asks you, who do you think? You can tell if you know who you are when the enemy asks you, who do you think you are? Your response tells me everything I need to know about your self-evaluation. Who do you think you are? How much time do you have? Bro, y'all can't handle me today. Who do you think you are? I'm, I'm highly favored. I love this. It doesn't say, it doesn't say that she had favor. It said she found favor. She didn't deserve favor. She didn't earn favor. She was living a holy and a pure life and she found favor. Have you ever had favor find you? Have you ever had a resume in a stack and it wasn't at the top of the stack and you still got the job? What happened? You found favor. Actually, favor found you. Can I prophesy over you? Some of you are about to find favor. You, you, you think, oh, I gotta have favor with him. No, the Bible said Mary, next verse I believe it is, it said Mary found favor with God. Oh, I wish I had time. If you find favor with God, you will have favor with man. No man ever found favor with God that didn't have butlers and bakers come into their life. You know what a butler is. When a butler comes into your life, it's someone that opens doors for you. I wish I could find some help. If you find favor with God, you're gonna stop asking, how am I gonna get that door open and you're going to find favor with God and when you find favor with God, men will find favor with you and doors you didn't have the key or the authority to open. God will open. Send somebody. God send somebody to open that door. I want to tell you right now, God is about to let you find favor and things that you didn't think you had access to. The favor of God is going to give you favor with man. What? What's this? It says she found favor. She was, she was highly favored. And then this is crazy. It says she was blessed. I think we need to get a new motto. When somebody asks you who you are, we need to start this in the halls of this house. We need to start this in the kids' department. We need to start this in the parking lot. Practice it right now. Look at your neighbor and say, who do you think you are? Tell them I'm blessed. Shut up, Ahasa. And I'm, no, you don't have to say that. That was me. <laughs> Deacon up here speaking in my tongues. Hallelujah. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, Who do you think you are? I feel this down in my soul. Tell them I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. Uh -huh. You say, I don't feel that. I didn't ask you how you felt. In fact, the angel didn't ask Mary how she felt. In fact, when the angel showed up, Mary got freaked out. But God doesn't consult your fears to determine if you're favored. I wish somebody would understand you can be dealing with fear and still have favor. Lord, double Hoshaya, I come today, O Satya. I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. Somebody is about to break out of a lid. Somebody is about to break out of a limitation. Touch three people in your room. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I declare over you. Tell them you're blessed. 
and you're highly favored. You didn't get here because you deserve the favor. You didn't get here because you earned the favor. You didn't get here because you bought the favor. Heaven has its eye on you and you're blessed and you're highly favored. Somebody say yeah. He said you're blessed and you're highly favored. Now watch this, let me keep walking through the text. Let me keep walking through the text. He said, keep going with me into, uh, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Keep going to the next. We're just gonna walk through it and I'm gonna be done. And behold, you will conceive in your womb. Now let me teach this. I know some of y'all gonna initially say, wait man, hold on. Do you understand Mary had something God needed? I say that and all of the deep theologians say God doesn't need anything from man. Tell me how God can become flesh if he is not born. And tell me how he shall be born unless he come through a womb. I'm not trying to say God needs you to be God because he's God all by himself. I'm just telling you in his godness and in his perfect plan, he decided to work through his own parameters and his own plan. And part of the plan for God to become man was that God would put on the suit of humanity. A stork did not drop the savior down out of the sky. Jesus was born and in order for him to be born, he had to have a womb. So let me ask you a question. What do you have that God wants to use? Oh, you, you don't need to worry about, you don't need to worry about some of you 65, 70 year old sisters, y'all like, oh, I can't, mm. No, ain't no Sarah anointing coming on me today, right? But what do you have that God wants to use? Because God might come up and tap you on the shoulder and say, Mary, I need your womb because I'm going to give the earth the Messiah. Okay, so he may not use your womb, but he may come up and say, um, Dustin, I need your voice. Mike, I need your social media prowess. Rick, I need your wisdom. Oh, you say, well, he didn't come to me. I could tap every one of you on the shoulder and tell you all of you have something God wants access to. All of us possess something that God wants access to. And here's what I need to tell you. If you won't let him have it, he will find someone who will. Well, I'm too busy. For God? For real? You? Me? Too busy for God? Well, yeah, I've got so much going on. What do you have going on? Talk to me about what you got going on. A business that God gave you? Oh, yeah, I'm getting all up in your business today. I feel it. Well, you know, I got relationships. Some of them are not God. So, some of y'all are entertaining stuff that is draining you. And it's like a leech. And you don't have time for God because you're spending time with things that are not God and people that are not godly. 
but I'm a missionary. No, sister, you are not called to be a missionary dater. Oh, God, where am I? Jeremiah, come take me out of here. I've had too much sinus medication. Hallelujah. What does God want that you have that he could use for his glory? Can you imagine how the angel came to Mary and tapped her on the shoulder and said, I need your womb. And Mary said, oh, no. No. It's not how Mary responded. Watch, keep going, keep going. Behold, you will conceive. He will be great and be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Next verse, keep going. We're going to walk all the way through it to verse 38. And he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom. There will be no end. Next verse, keep going. Mary said to the angel, here we go. How can this be? Since I don't intimately know, that's what the word know means in the Greek. It is not a superficial head knowledge she is referring to. It is a deep, intimate knowledge that she is speaking of. In the Greek, it is very clear and very evident that when she says, I don't know a man, she is telling the angel, how am I going to have a baby when I have never had sexual intimacy with a man? Mary did not say this is impossible. Mary said, how can it be? There is a difference between warning and explanation and deciding you don't believe what God said. Now, I'm not here to tell you God will always give you an explanation because there have been times he told me he was going to do something and I said, how? And he got silent. But I do want you to know there is a difference between the way Mary treated the word of the Lord and the way Zechariah treated the word of the Lord. When the angel told Zechariah, he doubted and lived in a state of unbelief. When he told Mary, Mary said, I'm not telling you it can't happen. I'm trying to figure out how. Because I don't know a man. Next verse. And the angel answered and said to her, "The whole, okay, here we go. Pentecostal, Pentecostal, Pentecostal people, hear me please. Stop apologizing for the work of the Holy Ghost. I'm not doing it. This house is not going to have a Holy Ghost room over in some corner of this sanctuary where we take people who get excited and remove them from us because they're a little bit over emotional. I pray God put some of them people right beside dead dry hides so that when you get tempted to We need some of that stuff where you can't explain it. There's been way too much priority placed on having to leave church and understanding. I'm not against understanding it, but I want you to know that sometimes we need more than an explanation. Sometimes we need a demonstration. We need dead stuff that come back to life. We need for God to create miracles out of thin air. And the only way that happens is not the ingenuity and the mind of a man going to work and doing harder and working harder and staying up later. No, no, no. God said, I'm going to do something and you're not going to have much to do with it at all. In fact, I don't want you and Joseph to get in the bed. I don't want y'all to have intimate relations. I want you to say yes. And if you say yes, the Holy Ghost will take care of the rest. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, the Holy Ghost will take care of the rest of this. There's some promises he made you that you know you can't do it in yourself. But the Holy Ghost is able to make a shamaha. The Holy Ghost is able to make it happen. The Holy Ghost will come upon you and the power, uh uh-oh, of the Most High. The Most High. Don't get no higher than the Most High. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Here's what I feel the Holy Ghost whispering to me. 
I felt it in Cleveland. I feel it here. You're about to enter rooms. And they're not going to see you. They're going to sense the overshadowing. God can do this. God can so get on your life that when you go into rooms, it's not even you that makes the shift happen. It's the one overshadowing you. If you'll decrease, he'll increase. I said if you'll decrease, he will increase. If you'll get smaller, he'll get bigger. If you'll humble yourself, he'll exalt you in due time. I declare 2024 is going to be a year you walk into rooms and a shift occurs. Not because of you, but the one who's overshadowing you. The power of the most high God will over, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the, whenever you dwell under a shadow, it means that the actual presence of whatever is casting the shadow is close to you. You can't get, stand up Pastor Jeremy, the light coming from behind is casting my shadow right there. You're standing in my shadow. You can't be in my shadow if I'm far away from you. But if you let me get close to you, then the light of my glory will cast my presence upon you. That's why the Bible says that when Peter, his shadow got on people in the street, they got healed. It wasn't Peter that healed them. It was the light that was coming from glory that was cast upon Peter's life that caused the effervescence of God's presence to drive the disease out of those who were sick. Here's my point. Mary, you can't do this in yourself, but you don't have to worry about that because I'm going to overshadow you. Let me finish. Keep going to verse 36. Watch this. Mm, that's too good. If I go down that road, I won't come back. Elizabeth, your relative, also conceived a son at her old age. What is the angel doing by telling Mary Elizabeth is pregnant? He's building her faith. Mary, you know, they didn't have cell phones or walkie-talkies. Mary had not seen Elizabeth in some time, but Mary knew Elizabeth's womb was barren. She was family. They had been together at picnics and at family reunions, and everybody knew Elizabeth's name is barren. But when Mary says, how can this be seeing I know not a man, the next thing the angel says, after he tells them about Jesus, the next thing the angel says, and your cousin. Your old cousin, the one everybody called barren, she is in her second trimester and she is getting ready to have a baby. And I can see the look on Mary's face. If that God can make Elizabeth, who was barren, bring forth a child, then I don't have to know how he's going to fill my womb. If the barren can get pregnant, then God can use a virgin womb somehow. Are you following what I'm saying? If you 
can look back over anybody in your family, any friend, anybody in your past, if you can look back and see God work a miracle for them, it is intended to come into your life as a testimony that if God did it for them, he can do it for you. In fact, I got some Bible for you. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What he did for one, he is able to do for you. And if you can find a place where he's done it before, I want to testify to you, he can't do it again. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Next verse. Okay, that's it right there, that's all I need. That's the last one. For with God, the angel looked at Mary. Can somebody please tell me which angel this was? Gabriel. Do you remember what Gabriel told Zechariah in Luke chapter two? He said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. This was the same angel who watched God step out onto the edge of darkness and say, let there be light. Bam, there was light. This was the same God who stepped out through Moses and said, stretch your rod out over the sea. What looked impossible, what looked impassable, all of a sudden the water backed up and the people walked through on dry ground. It may look too hard, but I stand in the presence of the Lord. I've seen his history. And I've never seen anything too hard for God. Watch this. Watch this. Now, I need to teach you. I want you to open your Bible to Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. Please, you have to write this down. I'm going to slow down, and I'm going to teach. And if we go up, we go up. And if we cry, we cry. If we fall out, we fall out. Whatever happens, you need to get what I'm getting ready to show you. It's the most important point I think I make today. Genesis 18, 14. Jeremiah 32, verse 6. Seven. Give me my glasses. See, I done. Lord have mercy. I'll find them on eBay one day. Pick them up and somebody will sell them. Look, look here. Let me find. Okay, Genesis 18, 14, Jeremiah 32, 17, and Isaiah 9, verse 6. Please, look at those three places. If you can't find them, they're on the screen, so watch this. Now, here's what you got to know. When Mary is listening to the angel. He looks at her and says, nothing is impossible with God. Okay? In the Septuagint. How many have ever heard of the Septuagint? Okay? So let me tell you what the Septuagint is. The Septuagint is the Old Testament written in Greek. Okay? Because originally the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Let me follow me right here. Okay? So in order for the Old Testament to be written in a language that was understandable with those who were uh, contemporaries during the time of Christ, they translated it into the Septuagint, which is taking the Old Testament and putting it into the Greek. When Mary, when the angel rather said to Mary, now follow me, with uh, nothing is impossible or too hard for God, that's written in Greek. In the Old Testament, that same phrase is used three times. And when they translate it from Hebrew to the Greek in the Old Testament, it uses the same word for the Old Testament occurrences that is used in Luke chapter one. It's the same exact word across the board. And I make that point to you to make sure you make the connection that what the angel is telling Mary is the same thing God told Sarah and the same thing God told Jeremiah 
And the same thing God said through Isaiah. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I want to be done. Jeremiah 32, 17. Uh, is this helping anybody? I don't want to wear you out, but I'm going to let you have this. I'm going to let you go. Because I can tell some of y'all want some chicken. Watch this. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. Mark that. Go to the next place, Genesis 18, 14. God is speaking to Sarah. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. <laughs> How many remember Sister Sarah? Laughed at God when God said she's going to have a baby. How many know God gets the last laugh? Look at Isaiah 9. Now I'm getting ready to blow your mind. So here's what I want you to see. When it says, nothing is too difficult for the Lord, Hebrew word, Pele. Genesis 18, when it says, is anything too hard, too difficult for the Lord, Hebrew word, Pele. Same exact word translated from Luke chapter 1 when the angel said to Mary, is anything too hard for God in the Hebrew translated, in the Greek transliterated through the Septuagint, Pele. Watch this. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called what? Talk to me, family. His name will be called what? Wonderful. What is the Hebrew word for wonderful? It is the Hebrew word Pele. Let me set it up. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that the difficult things and the hard things are also the wonderful things. Get your purse, we're getting ready to go. That's all I got today. What if the hard things in your life were about to become the wonderful things in your life? Is anything too hard to become wonderful? Y'all miss what I just said. Is there anything too bad in your life to become wonderful? Is there anything too far gone in your life to become wonderful? Is there any season too painful to become wonderful? I know you want me to tell you that wonderful things come out of wonderful situations, but I came to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible said his name shall be called wonderful. It'll come out of the midst of difficulty. He will come in the midst of darkness. He will come in the midst of all kinds of situations happening in the earth but he is wonderful your situation was hard but God is about to make it wonderful you've been through a season of pain and a season of challenge and a season of, uh, uh, of attack but God said I'm about to God is about to take the pain and make it productive God is about to take the woe and make it wonderful touch your neighbor say neighbor before this year is over God is about to take tragedy and turn it into triumph. God is about to take a mess and make it a message. God is about to take a test and make it a testimony. It started out painful, but God's about to put his super on your natural, and you're about to see something wonderful come out of something that looked like hell on earth. Talk to me, Mary. Nine months of carrying Jesus, a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of discomfort, a whole lot of traveling but when he came forth he wasn't painful he was wonderful God is about to bring something wonderful stand stand with me I'm through go to that last verse in that Luke passage let me give you this Luke 1 I think it's 38 
Mary looked at the angel and said, be it unto me, uh, 38, please. Be it unto me according to your word. She did not say, be it unto me according to my faith. Because sometimes my faith feels weak. But I got words for you today. God's word, the Bible said in the book of Psalm, God's word is forever established in heaven. What that means is that even though I'm on earth and I go up and down and in and out of faith, sometimes I've, I'm believing real strong one day and I'm struggling one day. I know y'all too spiritual to acknowledge that, but does anybody ever have a promise from God? And sometimes you're feeling real good about it and other times you're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. Oh yeah, where the real people at in the church? Yeah, what does that mean? What does that mean when I don't feel it? Mary said, be it unto me, not according to my belief and my faith. Be it unto me according to thy word. And here's what I want to tell somebody. It is forever established in heaven. Which means while I'm going through something on this planet, walking through this earth, I may go up and down, but the word is forever established. If God said it, God will perform it. Well, what about my faith, pastor? You don't have to have great faith. You serve a God with a great word. And great, the, the power of God's great word will stand when your faith is shaking. Something's happening. Something wonderful is happening. Something powerful is happening. Jesus is happening. Something's happening. Something more for us is happening. Something glorious is happening. I was outside in my yard last week, working in the backyard, and I was listening to music through that little speaker thing we have outside. And this song came on from C.C. Winans. It must be 100 years old. I'd never heard it before. How many thank God for Sister C.C., amen? Put me in whatever key I sing that in because I feel like singing it for you. I don't have no voice. If you can't tell, my voice is gone today, but I'm going to sing to shame the devil. Somebody say hallelujah. I was out in the backyard. I was working in the backyard, and Sister Cece came on. Something's happening. Something wonderful is happening. Something powerful is happening. Jesus, it's happening. Something's happening. Something glorious is happening. Something more for us is happening. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. I feel like God started talking to me about 2024. Something's getting ready to happen. I started feeling the Holy Ghost and the power of God come on me in my backyard. It overcame me. 
I said, Lord, why am I? This is a silly Christmas song. See, Steve was just singing what was on her heart. And the Holy Ghost said, you don't understand. I'm up to something. I better go to my car because I feel something y'all can't feel right now. That Christmas thing got on you and you're feeling all kind of warm and cozy. I feel fiery. I, feel, I'm, I don't feel 100% physically, but if you could feel what I feel in my spirit right now, something is getting ready to break out in this house. Something is getting ready to break out in your house. Something is getting ready to happen in your life. Something is happening. How? I feel on me right now what I feel that time the Lord said to me right over there I heard the Lord say to me watch this something is happening something is happening in a season when you felt dormant and dead dried up and disconnected something is happening it's about to become wonderful lay your hands on your neighbor's shoulder Father right now I pray for the people of God come here sweetheart Come here, sweetheart. Come here. Come here. You. Come here. I want to pray for you. Keep praying. Keep praying. If you got to go, we love you. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. Go in the peace of the Lord. Lift your hands, baby. Just lift your hands. Something's happening. Something wonderful is happening, Jesus. I want everyone who stays just to throw your hands up and begin to honor the presence of God. I don't want him to be offended in the room. I want him to be honored. He's here. If you got to go, seriously, we love you. Go in the peace of the Lord. But the Lord wants to touch some people today. Something's happening for you. Something's, it is not too late for your house. It is not too late for your house. You're not going to miss it. Something, that's it. Just take that, that grace. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Lift your hands and worship Him. Lift your hands and worship Him. Lift your hands and worship Him. Something's happening. Something's happening. I feel a shift. I feel a shift coming. It's not too hard for God. Some of you have thought this God didn't care. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, tell him I do care. Tell him I do care. Somebody said, God don't care about this thing I'm dealing with. I heard the Holy Ghost said, tell them I do care. I perfect everything concerning them. Something is happening. Something is happening. Something is happening. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. I'm not, I'm not going to stay any longer than God wants to stay, but I feel like God. I feel like something is happening. It's wonderful. I feel like something wonderful is beginning to happen. I feel like we're getting ready to close some things out in 2023 because we're going into 2024 and something wonderful is getting ready to happen. I decree it over your life. I decree it over your family. I decree it over your future. Something is happening. I need some people to begin to praise God like it's already happening. Uh huh. I know not everybody can go here with me, but where are my people who, be get, who believe in the power of praise who believe in the power of praise somebody who believes that when God said it his word is good enough that you can do it you can do it on credit you can praise him for it on credit somebody lift up a shout and begin to give the glory in this house wonderful Wonderful. Fresh Amanda. Wonderful. 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 His name shall be called difficult, but wonderful. Y'all missing what I'm saying? The situation was difficult, but he's gonna make it wonderful. He's the God that works in difficult and makes it wonderful. Is there anything too difficult 
for God to make something that was difficult wonderful. Lord, I bless the people today. I pray for people to have the kind of wisdom and maturity of Joseph. God, help us as Christians to stop participating in the public denigration and destruction of other brothers and sisters of Christ. Let us not be those who call for the death penalty. Let us be those who push pause on judgment and wait for you to speak. God, and I pray today, oh God, for those in this room who feel ostracized, ignored, forgotten. Like you tap Mary on the shoulder, would you tap Bobby on the shoulder? Tap Jennifer on the shoulder. Tap Jimmy on the shoulder. Lord, you don't need our womb because Jesus has already been born, but they have something you need, something you want to use. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will, to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you, take that devil, and obey, and when your spirit speaks to me, sing somebody, with my whole, somebody say yes, lift your hands if you got a yes in your spirit. And my hands, it's not rhetorical. I said, if you got a yes to God in your spirit, throw your hands up. And if you don't have a yes to God in your spirit, you ought to run to the altar and lay your agenda down on the altar and repent for your own plans and get the mind of God regarding your future. I want you to give your yes to God because 2024, he's gonna need you to be yes and amen. Come on, let's sing it one more time before we go home. I'll say yes. Lord, yes, to your Sing it with them. I'll say yes. I will trust with your spirit. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord be gracious unto you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you, and the Lord grant you his shalom now and forevermore in Jesus' name, and the family said, amen. God bless you, have a wonderful week, Merry Christmas. Hey family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. 
I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ. And our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.